Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of thewolfpacker.com and fellow co-host Matt Carter. And we're going to break down NC State's 27-14 victory over Texas Tech to move to 3-0 on the season before the Wolfpack will host UConn in Week 4. Uh, we'll talk about observations from the game, uh, break it down a little bit, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, but really a solid measuring stick game for NC State, so I think this gives us at least a better idea of you know what this NC State team is going to be throughout the conference slate. But before we get into those thoughts, um, just some quick notes to get to before we get started. Um, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Run. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. So uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe where you do listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and give us a good review, please, because all that stuff helps us. Speaking of helping us out, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, Our subscribers have definitely gone up as football season continues to move along here. So thank you guys for stepping up and doing that. If you have, if you haven't already, please do so. Uh, you can always watch us on our YouTube channel. And uh, when you do that, please give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. That helps the algorithm on YouTube so that we can reach more Wolfpack fans. So the more thumbs up we get, the more engagement we get, uh, the more Wolfpack fans will be able to listen to this. And uh, you know, don't you want all your Wolfpack fans to hear this? I feel like we're pretty, we're pretty reasonable guys, and sometimes. You know, sometimes you leave the game. It's such an emotional process. You don't really know how to feel. So, you you know, send them the link to this podcast and and maybe this will help put some things in perspective uh, for the Wolfpack fans out there. Last but not least, sign up for a year of premium subscription at thewolfpacker.com for just a dollar as part of the On3 network as Matt Carter's hat indicates. (laughs) He's a company man. He's got the On3 hat on which is another reason why you should go to the YouTube channel and, and give this video <laughs> a thumbs up and subscribe. But uh, premium subscription, a year for a dollar, I think the deal speaks for itself. You're not going to find a better deal in sports media. And let me tell you, the Wolfpacker.com is a treasure trove of information when it comes to everything in C-State athletics, not just football, not just basketball. Of course, those are the main, main two, but anything – NC State Athletics, thewolfbacker.com is on it. So you need to be a member, and it's just a dollar to do that for a year. So go ahead and take advantage of it. All right, Matt, let's jump into let's jump into the game. 27-14. NC State covers the spread. So, you know, anytime you cover the spread, you have you have exceeded expectations. NC State wins the game. And it was a nice home environment. And, uh, you know, we can talk about injuries here a little bit later on. We were talking before the podcast that, you know, put a question mark next to Jordan Houston's game. He left the game in the fourth quarter, did not return after what looked to be a hard hit where he took some uh, action to his head. Um, But that said, other than that, all in all, NC State definitely won the injury matchup. It seemed like every time I blinked my eyes, there was a Texas Tech defender on the ground uh, and going to commercial break because of that. But uh, (laughs) Matt, initial reaction from this game, I thought it was 
a very it was NC State's most complete performance of the year thus far. It's only been three weeks. Um, I'm not really going to count the Charleston Southern game. Uh, <laughs> so really, we're only comparing this to ECU so far. And I thought the pack looked like a better team than it did in week one against ECU. But certainly some things to fix. So um, all in all, I think you leave this game happy, but there's still some some things to work on moving forward. Yeah, for, first I wanted to say that for all the gamblers out of there, I hope you took my advice about taking the under. Wait, wait, before, I would like to thank you personally, Matt. Did you I, play, take I did smash the under. <laughs> I, I took the, because I kept looking at that spread and I was like, you know, I think NC State can cover 10, mm. but I don't, I don't want to sweat it out. And to be honest, Texas Tech could have easily backdoor covered there at the end of that game. They very easily could have backdoor covered there, which is exactly why I didn't want that spread. But Matt, thank you. Continue. Yeah, I actually played out somewhat like I, you know, I predicted thirty to seventeen uh, officially. So I mean, it played out very similar to how I, I foresaw this game. You know, there was a lot of hype about offensive firework from Texas Tech. I just didn't see it based on on the um, on what I saw at at, at the Houston game. I, I just didn't think that Texas Tech kind of had that offensive firepower, um, and so it played out similar to what I, I anticipated. I thought the defense played great for NC State. They were flying around. It wasn't perfect. Um, I thought thought they missed probably a few more tackles than they wanted to miss that could have made. Uh, some plays even better. I mean, I'm thinking of one play where Peyton Wilson had a guy in the backfield dead to, dead to center, and he missed a tackle, overran it a little bit, and the guy ends up getting seven, eight yards on the play. You know, a lot of times they missed the initial tackle, and the good news was that there were guys there to clean up. And so yep. the second and third wave got there. But um, that's kind of one area I think NC State's got a, still got a little bit of work to do defensively, but I thought this was a very nice game from the defense. Good to see Peyton Wilson running around confidently without hesitation, looking a lot like the Peyton Wilson of old. You know, your fourth three turnovers. You also got the muck punt, which was a heck of a job by Joe Simcoe, long snapper getting down there and just kind of wrestling that. Because I thought from my vantage point, I didn't get the TV benefit of replay. I thought the Texas Tech punt returner had the uh, initial recovery, only that Joe Simcoe kind of dived in there and just kind of, got into a wrestling match and won it uh, for the football. Um, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, NC State probably could have made life a little bit easier on themselves, which is you know, a little bit. There, there are two themes, I think, that I emerged from. Okay, this, this has got to clean up before NC State gets into the Clemson. Look, Connecticut's going to be easy, okay? I mean, Michigan was favored by 5,000 points in that game and covered, so... Um, yes. it's reality is Connecticut's not a huge up, jump up, uh, jump up, but not a huge one from Charleston Chatham. Um, but before we get to Clemson game, I think NC State needs to really take advantage of getting the opportunities that come. You can't take a touchdown off the board with a penalty. You cannot fumble the ball going into the end zone. The second time that's happened this year, um, you had another penalty, your first drive of the game. You know, Jordan Houston starts with a real nice run and then a real nice screen pass play. Comes back because of a block in the back. 
that kind of stalled the drive out a little bit. Um, yeah, you just had all those opportunities that, yeah, and not like the game was that much threatened because this, unlike East Carolina, the defense didn't break late. They kept, they kept um, getting the stops, and eventually NC State was able to get the score to go up 27-7. Um, and I, I kind of wish they didn't give up that last touchdown because 27-7 sound, sounds a lot more authoritative than 27-14 on right. the scoreboard. But, so they got to clean that. they got to take advantage of the layups and the opportunities that are there. And secondly, you know, the, the quarterback receiver rhythm is still not against a real competition. It's not quite there right now. And, um, that's something that, that I think has got to be evaluated from all angles, from the quarterback, from the receiver, to the play call, and I think all of that's got to be evaluated to find a way to get that rhythm going. The receivers only caught eight passes for just 40 yards, if I remember correctly, yep. in that game, and that's not going to get it done uh, against against real competition. So, and Texas Tech was real competition, um, and and so they need to step up and find something there. So those are probably the two areas I thought, but. All in all, I thought the game, I thought NC State was a couple touchdowns better going into the game. They, I think they were probably a little bit more than a couple touchdowns better than Texas Tech coming out of the game. And as I wrote in the column, symbolically it's important. I don't know if you watched game day, Justin, because I know that means getting I did. You did. I did. I did wake up early just so I could see the setting in Boone. That's spectacular. So I'm headed there mid-October during the bye week. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, awesome! They did a whole segment when I think it was David Pollock who said when they were talking about NC State Texas Tech, it got its own segment. And um, I think David Pollock said, "Can we trust NC State?" Um, and in these types of games, NC State has stubbed its toe more times than not over the past twenty years. And so to kind of even though you got some things to work on, to just methodically pull out a relatively easy win and not be threatened by Texas Tech, symbolically, that I think that carries some weight. That carries some perception that this team can be trusted. Um, and that it, I think this will garner some um, credibility among the, the national folks, if you will. Well, you raised a ton of good points there. Um, I do want to start with the defensive conversation and uh, address some of the things you said before. Uh, is is the cat still in the room? I heard I heard some uh, I heard some hitting of the microphone there at the end of your at the end. Yeah, of yeah he's still in the room. I don't know where he is. Oh, okay, just just looking out for our listeners who might be. <laughs> you know, might be cruising down 40 listening to this podcast and then all of a sudden they're going to hear a whack. Uh, <laughs> so um, anyways, uh, yeah, I thought the defense was spectacular. Could it be better? Yes, there's always things you can clean up. But when when the defense needed to be great and the game was close, uh, Texas Tech really struggled to get any type of rhythm going. Um, now, Texas Tech the two drives that it did score, it was able to get into a rhythm. Um, those might've been cases of NC state's defense being gassed because the first touchdown was obviously at the end of the first half. NC state could have gone into halftime up 20 to zero, um, which I think was more 
more of a more of a correct score of how that first half played out than twenty to seven. Um, and then, you know, my thoughts going into the second half was, well, NC State led twenty one to seven in Greenville in week one, and that ended up being a one point game. Let's see if because we were talking about this a little bit in the in the preview podcast. What I was looking for is can NC State take control of a game and then not make it interesting? Like can can it wasn't were they going to cover the spread? It was are they going to cover the spread in a way that it was never in question? Because that's what good teams do. And um, you know I thought NC State maybe stubbed its toe in the third quarter when, you know, it came out to a three and out on offense, got to, got to figure out a way to move the ball down the field. When you have that first offensive possession of the second half, I know NC state, whenever it has the option will defer at kickoff. That's a crucial drive for this Wolfpack team and how it won a lot of games last year, coming out, scoring at the end of half, scoring at the beginning of uh, the second half. I mean, those, those were really big swings in some of those 50, 50 ACC games. Um, but then obviously the Demi Sumo, you know, fumble as he go, walks into the end zone. Um, and we'll get to that more too. I thought it was a, you know, a mistake by a young guy who doesn't have that much playing experience yet, but he's just been catapulted into this feature role. Um, and you know what? To me, it's going to be a great learning lesson for Sumo because you won the game. It didn't, it, it, it really didn't impact anything when it when it's all said and done, and you're kind of glad that it's out of the way in a game where, you know, it, it didn't impact the in- outcome because that's not going to be the case for the rest of the season. You can't make those type of mistakes when you're down in Clemson and Death Valley. Um, but as for your point about, you know, just some of the – can NC State clean up some of the mistakes? Um, I hope it can because – with this defense and this special teams, if the if NC State's offense can be a top top four top yeah top four unit in the ACC, I don't see any reason this team doesn't win the conference, and I don't see I don't see any reason that you know a twelve and zero regular season couldn't be in play if the offense figures it out nc state is good enough to win every game on its schedule the problem is we just haven't seen a complete performance from the nc state offense against an actual opponent yet and we're not going to see it next week because they don't have an actual opponent yet so really you're just kind of hoping that this offense has an epiphany you know before that that road clemson game and I'm not going to judge NC State's offense solely based on that Clemson game because I know Clemson has a damn good defense, and I don't expect NC State's offense to do that much in Death Valley. It's going to be a game that if NC State wins that game, it's going to be one on the defensive end of the football and vice versa for Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good and bad because part of me also thinks that this might just be who NC State is and that, you know, NC State's got a – competent offense that against a poor defensive team is capable of moving the football and scoring, but they do tend to get conservative, um, particularly in the second half with leads. So, you know, NC state to me is just not, you can't call them an explosive offense until you really 
see it. Um, and you look back to how NC State scored some of these points, you know, a couple, couple touchdowns taken off the board, one on the fumble, one on the penalty. Dialed up a trick play for Thayer Thomas to throw a touchdown, um, you know, twice in this game. I thought it was a pretty gutsy call. I thought it was a perfect call to go trick play Thayer Thomas pass to Demi Sumo after the Sumo fumble in the fourth quarter. That was the play that made it 20 to, or 27 to 7. I think that's when everyone in the stadium collectively knew NC State was going to win this game, including the Texas Tech sideline. <laughs> Yes, I know the Red Raiders scored right after that, but then what are you doing after that? I mean, they just let NC State drain the clock on that next offensive possession, didn't call a single timeout, and then just kind of come back on offense lackadaisically. I mean, it was like Texas Tech scored that response touchdown to make it kind of a game, and there was still a path for the Red Raiders, and then they kind of they kind of waved the white towel a little bit there in the fourth quarter, so kind of surprised to see their game management but I don't know Matt I'll talk I'll toss it back to you because I feel like I've been talking for a while just addressing everything you said but um right I I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there and it, you can't really judge the offense coming up in a couple of weeks against Clemson because that that's the best defense they'll face all year and Clemson shuts down a lot of a lot of teams you know that's going to be a motivated Clemson team we'll see what happens to Clemson this weekend against Wake Forest that should be a a fun game in Winston-Salem. Um, but, I, you know, and I think, can it be fixed? And that's what I wrote in my column. I think you hit on the key question emerging from this game. The, the defense is starting to look like the defense we expected them to be. Especially, you know, Cy Battle didn't play, and Aiden White really had a huge game. Two interceptions, the big pick six, and a sack. That was almost a strip sack. I think Dave Dorn thought it was a strip sack. Um, and uh, this morning we posted the uh, initial game grade from Pro Football Focus, and that, that premium information, so you need to fork over your dollar to get it. But I will tell you that Derek Pitts and Aiden White, the two starting corners, were two of the top three graded defenders in the game. So, and obviously, you got Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas. You know those are all ACC caliber guys. Savion Jack. That's secondary. We don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully Tyler Baker-Williams, he didn't come back in the second half after hurting his ankle in the first half. He did come back in the first half, but not after halftime. Hopefully that's not too serious. But uh, I thought Savion Jackson, by the way, playing really good football on the defensive line. Um, you don't get to wear the number nine without yeah. proving so, some things in the offseason. And he's showing it. It translates into the field, too. But... It's just what I wrote in the column. It's just a little fundamental thing. It's just not a talent or an athletic issue. It's just a fundamental thing of ball security going into the end zone. Of you know, and in the case of the one touchdown taken back from the flag, it was Anthony Belton, the left tackle, was too far downfield and was an ineligible receiver. That's a fundamental issue. That is not a athletic or a talent issue. Um, the block in the back that negated the, the nice screen pass for Jordan Houston on the first drive. Again, that's just fundamentals. Uh, you know, don't don't clip somebody in the back. You know, watch where you are on the field. A um, couple false start penalties. That's fundamental. That's pre-snap discipline. Um, ball security, fundamental. I mean, 
the Texas Tech guy did a nice job to swipe at the ball and knock it out of his hand, but Demi Sumo come back, he got to score there. I mean, that was, you know, he got a clear pass to the end zone, as you said. I think a, a bit of a rookie mistake, not appreciating every yard on the field, and um, got to get into that end zone. Uh, it was another play, I think, where Devin Leary threw a, a, a beautiful long ball to Anthony Smith that I think Anthony Smith misjudged. Uh, okay, uh, correct. I'd like to correct you there because yeah. watching on TV, I don't. You you said that you've only, you've only got but so good of a view up there in the press <laughs> box. I think that was more on Devin Leary. Devin Leary missed. He missed him. Yeah, but I, I mean, Leary overthrew. He overthrew. Him. He did, but as you, I watched the replay too. But it looked to me like Smith overran because he ended up trying to come back, and it ended up being behind his helmet. And I, it kind of like a, I thought Smith looked like an outfielder who misjudged the ball in baseball. And, and with, you know, in foot, unfortunately in football, you can't adjust that quickly when you got a defensive back bearing down on you. And there were some issues, by the way, on defense, fundamental too, a pass interference in the end zone. You can't let that that happen. I believe that helped set up Texas Tech's first touchdown. Um, yep. So a lot of the issues that can make NC State better, particularly on offense, it's just a fundamental thing. Um, the receiver-quarterback combination, that's one that you got to keep an eye on. Is this an issue that just would just drastically underestimated the impact of a Mecca Medzi on the offense last year? Yeah, that to me is the one we, we have to keep an eye on. But to your, to your question, can the offense get better? I think they can. It's just fundamental. Just a few fundamental issues that they have to fix. I think they can too. And, you know, after the first game, Devin Leary comes into the season as the preseason ACC player of the year. Um, he might have slipped a little bit in that race after three games. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think that is it, – it's going to be an uphill climb back to uh, achieving that status. Um but what I was going to say is, you know, after week one, going into that game, just the inefficiency of the passing game in Greenville, you know, I think it was easy for most of us to kind of shift that blame on the receivers and say, well, the receivers got to step up. And and in that game, I noticed several drops from receivers where, I mean, it was perfect ball from Leary. It was just, there was just a few drops in that game. Uh, and there were a few in this game too, but I thought this I thought this game was more about you know, it's not on the receivers. It's not like it's not like Leary's dealing with a bunch of freshman receivers that don't know what they're doing. I mean, Devin Carter is an experienced wideout. Bayer Thomas is is one of those guys that you ask yourself, how is he still in college? Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it, you're and you do have some young guys. You do have the Anthony Smiths and the Julian Grays of the world, but they're very talented and capable playmakers. Um, that you just haven't been able to see the explosion of which they're capable of yet. And they got, they got some things to figure out. Um, you know, you hope that, again, another game like UConn coming up, just like Charleston Southern, will kind of help build that confidence up and get that chemistry up again. But, you know, is it going to be enough before the toughest defensive test of the season when you go down to Death Valley in Week 5? You know, we're, we'll see. They're 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 going to have to score some points to win that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leary. You know, you look at 
15 to 23, they really did go away from the passing game in the second half. And that's what I allude to. And just, I mean, that that's a program kind of identity of NC State's in the Doran era, you know, especially with Tim Beckett, offensive coordinator these past three seasons. They do tend to get conservative on offense when they play with the lead. And as long as you're winning games, that's fine. Okay, so we can't, you know, 23 pass attempts in a game against a Power 5 opponent. You'd probably think Leary would get a little bit more opportunity than that. But just 121 yards, no passing touchdowns, no interceptions, which is which is good. But there were no close interceptions either. Yeah, but when when you're when your uh, slot receiver that's been in college for fifty years has more touchdowns than your preseason ACC Player of the Year, um, you know that. Now Leary should have had a receiving touchdown in this game. It was taken off the board. And he should have had um, a passing touchdown because that was it. When we talked about Demi Sumo, that was a pass. This is this is fair. This is true. Um, that was a significant portion of his yards. Um, but you know, we just need to we we just need to see more from the passing game. And I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I'm not putting all the blame on Leary. I'm not putting all the blame on the receivers. And also, you know, the offensive line could do a better job of protecting Leary as well. They've done a good, not great job thus far, in, in my early opinion. Although Texas Tech's and Texas Tech and East Carolina's defense have exceeded maybe our preseason expectations. And, you know, when the season ends, we might be looking at those defenses as, you know, top top 30, top 35 type caliber front. So not to put too much blame on the offensive line. But, yeah, that's that's the glaring concern for a team like NC State because that's the separator once you get to NC State's level and, you know, the top, the top 10. The best teams in the country are able to – a shut out any team, or you know hold them to under twenty, and B they're able to they're able to win a track meet if it calls upon it. Georgia's got a great defense, but guess what? They also got a great offense. Alabama's got a okay you know pretty good defense. Uh, they got an even better offense. You know Michigan, same thing. And I'm not saying that NC State needs to be one of those teams, but if they want to be one of those teams, if they want to be in the conversation, if that's the way you want to talk, you know. They want to be remembered on this team this special season with all these guys coming back for an extra year to do something special in 2022. Got to clean up the passing game because I really do think NC State has the talent to make this an incredibly, incredibly special year. And hopefully they're able to, you know, work out some of those things. Um, uh, Sumo, we've already addressed Sumo, but like I said, I think that was probably the, the best possible I, I, I take that as such a positive because I don't think he's going to make that same mistake twice. Yeah. And the way he responded was super impressive to me. Yeah, I think, you know, there were a couple of runs early in the game where I thought, you know, I, th- I actually thought Jordan Houston was the better running back early in the game. I mean, he was hitting it. And, uh, Agree. Good for Jordan because he got the young man's waited his turn, and now that he gets his turn, everybody's yelling for Demi Sumo to be <laughs> taking all the carries. And I think he showed fans especially in that first half, I'm a good running back too. And he was, he was doing really well in the first half. Whereas I thought Demi was a little bit uh, tentative on a few of his runs there. There was a third and one where he didn't necessarily attack the, attack the run like he would want to see him, and he got stopped um, early in the game. I think that was actually on the very first 
the second drive, it was a third and two, um, and he got stopped for no gain. And we wanted to see him kind of hit it, hit that like Jordan Houston did on fourth and one. He he went right at it. Um, but yeah, he he looked good, and, um, and yeah, like I said, I think we're both in agreement that the passing game is it, kind of the thing that you had to see. To what you said about. Real quick, I wanted to add. I just remembered. You know, Dave Dorn confessed after the game. They took the they took the air out of the ball, and some of that is strategic in this game because when Texas Tech scored, they scored in a hurry and marched down the field. So they're up tempo team. They had over a hundred snaps against Houston, even though that that went double overtime. So a little bit misleading, but they had over a hundred snaps against Houston. They can get snaps in a hurry, and so when you have a multiple touchdown lead. I fully understand and fully appreciate and, and fully support a, a strategy of you know, their capable, dangerous offense that proved against Houston last week that they can score late to win a game. You know, let's keep them, let's keep their offense on the sideline if we can, and it was working. I mean, they that when Demi Sumo fumbled, that was a 90-yard drive um, that took yep. off eight minutes off the clock. Um. And then the other possession, you know, when 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 um, with eight thirty eight to go, they go out on the field and took almost seven minutes off the clock uh, on on the next possession. So that's when it, when the defense can't stop you and they're allowing you to eat up clocks, you got to take advantage of that. And then doing confess, that was kind of the strategy, which does mitigate the explosiveness of the offense and kind of mitigates your opinion of the offense a little bit. But um, you know, I was just looking, Justin, and college game day going to Knoxville, Tennessee next week. They just announced. So Florida, Tennessee will be the game day. Which I, kind of, I only bring that up because I was curious if they would go to Clemson, Wake Forest, and Winston-Salem. So now, I was going to say I, I, was, I was not watching the game, but I was certainly keeping track of it for no reason at all. Not like I had Wake Forest, you know, and 17 points or anything. You did, didn't you? They, they did. <laughs> the Demon Deacons did struggle against Liberty, and then I was reminded in the back of my head, oh, well, maybe taking, maybe taking Wake Forest to cover the week before their Super Bowl, you know, when they're, they're, when a, a classic trap opportunity at home in a look-ahead spot, you know, maybe wasn't the best thing in the world. Um, but I don't they, they, they struggled with Liberty a little bit. They they had to, they needed a late touchdown to win that game. And a two point stop. Liberty boldly went for two to go for the win with a minute left, and they yeah. got stopped, and that, that gave Wake Forest the win. So kudos to Liberty. I mean, I, I kind of appreciate that boldness there, especially when you're a big underdog on the road against the Wake Forest uh, ACC team. Um, I want to bring that up because I think I, I kind of go full circle before we get the game balls. I think symbolically this game has some weight. You win by two scores. You cover against a Power 5 Big 12 team that was receiving votes in both the polls and just beat a ranked opponent, even though I think Houston's overrated, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, Houston got clubbed by Kansas. Yeah. So. I was telling our, our, other, our other co-worker, Ethan, you know, three weeks is where the transitive properties really start coming full circle. And uh, the dots really start to connect now. Um, and you can start to really figure out some things. Um, but 
I do think symbolically this is important for NC State. We talked all year about that Clemson game. Everybody talks about it, and I'm not trying to get ahead of Connecticut, but Connecticut's lost their last two games by a combined almost 100 points to Syracuse and Michigan on the road. And I think their starting quarterback got hurt um, previously. You know, that is a monster rebuild job for Jim Moore, uh, the former NFL coach. Uh, NC State can play poorly next week, and they'll still win by a few touchdowns, probably. Um, so getting to this point was huge for NC State, and it wasn't pretty. And there was a lot of luck in Greenville. And the offense was not very explosive against Texas Tech. But the bottom line is, it's 3-0. On its way to most likely being 4-0 at the end of the non-conference. And it handled business, especially against Texas Tech. And now you're going to wonder, we're all going to be checking phones on Sunday morning. It would have really had helped had Missouri State pulled off that upset against Arkansas. Yep. We're all going to be checking phones Sunday morning. It's game day going to be in Clemson. Now, Clemson's got to beat Wake Forest for that to even be remotely a possibility, obviously. But... Clemson beats Wake Forest. We're all going to be checking our phones Sunday on game day. Where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? Um, and I think you're, you're correct you're in your guess that Arkansas or Alabama might have the early inside track. Because that game's in Arkansas, right? Uh, that game will be at Arkansas, yeah. Yeah, so that even, uh, add, that even adds to it because I'm sure they but have- he- so here's your root. Who's your rooting guide for next Saturday for NC State fans? If... If you want to see college game day, go to Clemson because some of you out there might not want that to be the case. I don't, you know, there might be some hidden record out there. What's NC State's record in game day games? Oh, and one. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't want that, but it would be good. I mean, look, it's going to be great attention for the program if it does happen. So I think most of us out there are hoping that this NC State Clemson game is yeah. college game day because, I mean, it, you have, yeah. You have it's your ACC championship to me. Yeah, and you have your helmet on the most watched pregame college football show out That's right. There. And your helmet is going to be in front of the set for three hours. And you get a 50-50 chance that uh, that Lee Corso puts Mr. Wolf's head, mm-hmm. you know, on on his, on on his head. So, uh, and it really it is a 50-50 because I mean the way he picks, it it just kind of seems like a coin flip type situation but uh that said your your rooting guide for week four obviously you want nc state to beat uconn that hopefully does not become a question at all um but yeah the nc state's gonna have to take care of business against uconn you're gonna want you're gonna want clemson to beat wake forest a you don't want clemson coming off a loss (laughs) and b game day is not going to go to clemson if clemson is three and one and nc state becomes the higher ranked team in that matchup. And then you're going to want to go to the SEC where you're going to, you're going to want to root for Texas A&M uh, to, to beat Arkansas at home uh, or excuse me, Texas A&M is facing them at uh, Jerry's world uh, in Dallas, AT&T stadium. So that'll be a, that'll be a late game on ESPN, 7 PM game. So it'll be going on right as uh, NC state plays UConn. So maybe, you know, if you're not going to Carter Friendly Stadium, maybe a two-screen setup. Have Arkansas, Texas A&M on the other screen because if Texas A&M wins that game, 
then Arkansas is no longer the undefeated potential top 10 team to challenge Alabama. Of course, we've seen this play out many, many times. Um, but it would also build Texas A&M's case to, you know, for game day to eventually go to Texas A&M, Alabama, and what, I think week six or seven, it's not long after that. So yeah. they might be, they might be saving their Alabama for, for A&M if, if A&M wins next week. Yeah. And then, uh, A&M, by the way, about an early touchdown favorite on Arkansas on the line, no line yet on entry state Connecticut, but, um, It'll be probably 30th, 35. High, high 30s, low 40s. I was going to guess 30, 30 to 35 runs. But you know more than me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the way NC State's – the way they play conservative, man, and especially next week, like they are going to pull the starters quick if it gets out of hand. If it's, if it's a comfortable margin, once it's comfortable in the second half, there's no more – one more drive for the starters, it's, yeah, they're done. So, um, and rightfully so, rightfully so. Well, let's, let's hand out game balls. Um, do you care if I start? No. I, I normally give it to you, but I, I really want to give my game ball to Aiden White. Um, I think it's a pretty easy game ball to give <laughs> out. I mean, yeah, he had, he had the pick six that changed the game in the first half. I mean, Really, as an NC State fan, you started to feel pretty comfortable after that pick six. You would have liked to see the defense hang on to the first half shutout. You go into halftime up 20 to zero. You're feeling pretty good in the second half, but um, you're still feeling pretty good up 20 to seven based on the way things unfolded. Aiden White, when's the last last time you saw NC State have a pick six like that in a big game? I just... The longest pick six since Marcus Hudson returned one 100 yards against Duke about 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. Yeah, you just you see him all the time on SportsCenter, but you hardly ever see him when it's you're watching an NC State game. So it was it was just cool to see a pick six mm. like that in Carter Finley Stadium in a big game. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, I'd like to give it to the whole secondary just because. There's some – they're just playing great. And I think uh, Peyton Wilson got a question after after the game about, you know, does that kind of liberate you guys up front, you know, the front seven, the front six, front seven, whatever the personnel is for that particular play. Uh, does that free you guys up a little bit to, you know, do your jobs more effectively? And the answer was certainly yes. And more importantly, it gives – it gives Tony Gibson the confidence to be able to dial up all these blitzes and put so much pressure on the quarterback with those linebackers because, A, he's got trust in his backers and the defensive line that's played pretty well this season. But, B, they, he's got the faith in his secondary to make the proper coverage in order to make those types of aggressive play calls on defense. So it's all cyclical and – NC State secondary has been a bugaboo for as long as I can remember in my life. So it's just, it's cool to see NC State secondary, you know, not just be, not just be competent, but be a, I mean, it's a top unit in, in the ACC. And I think when it goes head to head against Clemson, you know, we might be seeing NC State going for the throne of not just linebacker you in the ACC, but DBU. Um, for this season. So 
Aiden White gets my game ball. You know, also Dave Dorn mentioned the strip sack that should have been a strip sack but wasn't a strip sack. Either way, this defense is filled with guys that are playmakers that are capable of making those types of plays that change the game. And uh, I expect more to come. So, Aiden White, enjoy your Wolfpacker game ball. I'm going to go real quick and a little bit off the board and give it to Tony Gibson, defensive coordinator, because I thought they came up with a great plan of, as I said, just make, I said all week, keep Donovan Smith in the pocket. If you contain Donovan Smith and make him have to beat you throwing the football, A, it's not a very good offensive line. You can get pressure on him. You've got to keep that containment. And B, he can't. He could make mistakes. He did against Houston, and he did against NC State. And if you make Donovan Smith try to beat you with his throwing the football without the weapon of running it, and then that really changes the dynamic for Texas Tech. And you saw that. I thought it, they, they dialed up a really good plan. Uh, it contained Donovan Smith in the pocket really well. He had negative rushing yards on the game. Um, and he threw three intercepts. or I think He threw two and maybe the backup quarterback threw one. But they, they had three interceptions. Um, and so, you know, some of the, a lot of that, obviously, credit to the players. But also, you have to have credit to the calls being made that the players are executing. And so, um, so I give it to, to Tony Gibson. Strong, strong game ball. Love the pick. And, uh, you know, it's one of those names that NC State has a special year. You know, they they end up they they end up meeting their expectations or you know offense figures it out and this NC State defense continues like it is NC State goes eleven and one twelve and zero in the regular season something like that that's a name to watch because mm. uh, he's been pretty impressive <laughs> this this year and 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 just the development on the defensive end has been spectacular so uh, I, I'm sure he's going to be garnering some national interest if trends continue like this. Um, but that's going to do it for this podcast. NC State 3-0, moving on to UConn week four. We will have the preview podcast for the Huskies later <laughs> on next week. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more of an expanded upon further review, just like we did for that Charleston Southern uh, preview back in week two. Uh, but before we sign out, remember that you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Spotify Google Play. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you do listen to the podcast. Plus, you can always watch us on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to your YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. All those things help us out tremendously. So if you appreciate our work and you appreciate listening to us um, and you want to do something in return, that is exactly what you can do. You can, you can give us love on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. And lastly, what you can do is head over to thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of that deal for just a dollar. You get a year's worth of premium subscription. So all the uh, insider information, you want to be the most informed fan at your tailgate, you're a member of thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of that deal. It's just a dollar. Uh, and last but not least, we're on Twitter. You can follow our main account at the Wolfpacker on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will. Give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. And that's going to do it for this episode. For Matt Carter, I'm Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.